Hello, hello, hello. I'm your host, Drew. I'm BJ. I'm Craig. And this is the Low Down Sports Show, where we get the lowdown on all things basketball. This show is streamed live on Facebook at fb.gg slash the Drew League and on Twitch at twitch.tv slash the Drew League. This channel is partnered with Gamer Advantage, Artesian Builds, Canva, and TeePublic. Gamer Advantage is the first clinically proven lens to stop the suppression of melatonin so that you get a better night's rest. They also offer prescriptions. Get yours today and use code THEDREW at checkout. Artesian Builds is ready to build your next PC live on Twitch and have it shipped to you within a week. Get up to $100 off by visiting their website and using code THEDREWLEAGUE at checkout. DM them and they'll optimize based on your budget. Canva makes design amazingly simple and fun. Create stunning designs with your photos and videos, even if you're not a design expert. Whether you need Instagram story, logo maker, or birthday invitation, create all these graphic design needs and more on Canva. TeePublic is the world's largest marketplace for independent creators to sell their work on the highest quality merchandise. Check out the merch through the shop link on our page and on Twitch for support for this podcast. Back in the studio today, and we have a new addition to the Lowdown team. You heard him on the intro. His name is Craig Cochran. Welcome, Craig. He is one of our additional producers on the show. Shouts out to Craig for joining us. We love having him here. What's going on, everybody? How we doing? Craig in the building, baby. Doing good, my brother. Doing good. We're glad to have you here and on board. And I want to do a quick shout out, you know, and this is, this is an internal plug for us. The Lowdown has been selected uh, by panelists as one of the top 20 WNBA podcasts on the web uh, by Feedspot. Uh, we are number 13 out of 20. And, and considering we haven't done a ton of WNBA episodes just yet, that's a huge honor. And it, it's, it's, it's amazing to see in the progress we're making so far. Absolutely. Uh, and the fact that it's still WNBA off season and that, you know, we, when we get to in season, there'll hopefully it'd be much more WNBA content and, and results and everything like that, that we can talk about as, as quickly as we can get these cranked out, you know? Right. Yeah. That's amazing. And obviously I wasn't a part of the show, so I can't really take any credit for that, but congrats. Appreciate it, man. We're going to, we're going to look to climb up that list as the, as time goes on and we get into the WNBA season with a draft, you know, not long away and then the season not far off behind it. But today we're not talking about WNBA, baby. We're talking about their counterparts. We're talking about the NBA. Uh, A lot of things have been going on recently. There's a lot of basketball playing and uh, a lot of things went down recently at the trade deadline. A lot of key moves were made uh, for some specific teams. We're going to be talking about all those things, the winners and losers, uh, where we think or who we think the top five NBA teams are after these moves. And we're going to be hitting it all and playing our with it or quit a game here at the end. Uh, we're going to kick things off here. Uh, we'll talk about just some not some not some real trade moves, but some pickups, some key pickups these teams had. I'm going to start with Andre Drummond to the Los Angeles Lakers. You know, we've got in LA, we've got two superstars out right now, Anthony Davis and LeBron James. Andre Drummond, he's a two-time all-star already, and he's a multi-time rebound champ. I think he's four-time actually. And this guy, this season alone has had two 2020 games and a 30-20 game. In this season alone, the man is just a monster at random times. Uh, but 
I want to get you guys' opinion about the Andre Drummond signing to the Los Angeles Lakers, what it means now, and what it will mean once both superstars are back in the fold for the LA Lakers. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, this is just an example to me of the rich getting richer because the Lakers obviously, you know, have had some some uh, injuries that have really kind of tanked their stock so far with Davis and James both out, you know, multiple weeks at this point. Um, so they have not been the same team and they have not looked the same. So they need that big interior threat that uh, Drummond provides and now they've got a real legitimate third option behind both Davis and James. So, you know, the, the era of building up big threes is, is still well underway and, and still thriving uh, with this Drummond signing. And it's, it's going to make the Lakers, in my opinion, once Anthony Davis and, and LeBron are able to, to heal up and, and get back to playing every day or, or, you know, playing every game, I think that they will more than likely – be able to challenge Utah for that top spot again. I don't think they're too far out at this point. Uh, and once those guys come back and heal up, they're they're going to make a run. And and it's it's tough to pick against them to repeat. But there are some other very good talented teams. I mean, we'll talk more about uh, you know Brooklyn and, and Phoenix and, and some of the others in a moment. But and even the Clippers, to be honest. But it's. To me, it's tough to pick against L.A. right now. Yeah, no, I mean, I totally agree with that. Obviously, with LeBron and A.D. being out for as long as they're probably going to be out at this point. I mean, A.D.'s been out a little over a month. So, I mean, he's definitely going to fill in nicely. But as of right now, I'm not 100% sold on the Drummond situation. I really like the way that he came out playing with the Cavs. But the statistics definitely don't necessarily match the eye test with Drummond. Um, He kind of clutters the offense. And, I mean, granted, he's averaging 17.5 points a game, 13.5 rebounds. He's playing 29 minutes a game. But if you were watching the Cavs after they acquired Jared Allen in the uh, James Harden trade – the Cavs were exponentially better when Jared Allen was on the floor as opposed to Drummond. So it'll definitely be interesting to see how he meshes in with that team. Now, having said that, I do like when the game slows down and you need a guy down low to protect the rim. Obviously, Anthony Davis plays a really integral role in that come playoff time, but having Drummond as like the bit of insurance is definitely a little bit scary for guys to go to the hoop on either Anthony Davis or Andre Drummond. So that'll be interesting. And then obviously he's going to be a huge lob threat for LeBron whenever LeBron comes off of screens. I don't, I don't know how often they're going to run pick and roll or anything like that with Drummond. He's not the greatest pick and roll threat. He's a great lob threat, but he's kind of got clunky hands. So that'll be interesting to see how that works. But I'm definitely holding out on my excitement for the Drummond move. But as of right now, I mean, that's that's all I can really say. I haven't seen him in action yet. They're playing right now. So we'll see how they go tonight. But obviously, like I said, LeBron and AD are out. So we have no clue until those two guys come back how they're going to match. Right, right. There's there's a lot left to be seen in regards to Andre Drummond, but I think where he really helps them, and you know, it's it's kind of glaring once once you once you look into it. Uh, it's and I mentioned it earlier about him being a former rebound champ. It's it's grabbing the boards, getting those second chance points. Uh, the leading rebounder on the team is LeBron with 323 rebounds and only averaging less than eight a game. Uh, and Anthony Davis, when he was playing, averaged eight a game. 
you know, Drummond, you talked about his averages, you know, so far this season, 13. Even if it goes down to 10, that's still that's still a lot more helpful than what they got right now. Uh, and they need yep. those second chance points. They need those boards because, you know, if Anthony Davis is on the outside, you know, more than likely LeBron was too, and he's dishing that ball. Uh, they need that rebinder, and they need those second chance points uh, when it comes to facing, you know, the strong teams in the West when it comes to deeper playoff runs. Uh, when they come back and they're healthy, it's going to be a definite problem for the West and, and the teams out there. But, you know, uh, and like I said, once once he went down, you know, LeBron, you know, he's hurt, yes. And, you know, his original, you know, timetable was four to six weeks. Uh, but, you know, LeBron, he's going to get this rest that he needs. He's going to get this rest. And, you know, I know he's got to, he's got to revamp and, you know, get back into playing shape and everything. Yep. But, you know, he's – Anthony Davis is going to be playing a little while already. He's going to have a little bit under his belt. You know, uh, he'll, he won't have to do as much as he would if Anthony Davis was still hurt when he comes back. So he'll have that time to kind of ease back into it, and he'll be a fresh LeBron James come playoff time. And I think that's scary. Yeah, no, I, I, I definitely agree with that. I'm, I'm mostly concerned to see how they run – when the game's on the line. Cause honestly, I don't think Drummond's going to be out there in the last five or six minutes of a game. I like what he offers throughout the course of a game, mm-hmm. but I mean, he's, what is he? He's a Ford. He's a 59% free throw shooter this year, which is close to his best mark that he's ever had. He's a 46% career free throw shooter. Oh, yeah, he's so he's, there. yeah, yeah. He's probably the worst free throw shooter. I, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but he's probably the worst free throw shooter I've personally ever seen. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. I also don't know if they're going to be starting him next to LeBron and AD when those guys come back. I feel like he definitely fits more as like a 18 to 22 minute a game guy off the bench, but I like what he offers off the bench. If, if they don't have him starting, I like what he can provide. That's for sure. But Starting, I'm a little bit hesitant, but like I said, that's all a matter of time, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, they, he he definitely won't be on the floor in crunch time. I tell you that because they're gonna be they're gonna be hacking and drumming, and they don't need that. Right. Um, right. But uh, you know, talking about some other moves that happen, uh, a couple of key pieces come into a team that's already pretty loaded, guys, and that's the Brooklyn Nets. They added Blake Griffin and recently added Lamarcus Aldridge. You know, these players are definitely neither one of them who they were earlier in their careers in their primes. Uh, but, you know, still assets to a team, you know, me and uh, BJ and I were talking about this, you know, you know, before we started recording that's and, uh, and Craig as well, that, you know, it's kind of those bad situation type things and where Blake kind of didn't care where he was at, you know, he's not as good as he was. Yes. But, you know, he, he hated his situation. He didn't want to be there. And, you know, you could see it, you know, in, in the way he's playing compared to the way he's trying to play now in Brooklyn. He's looking good out in Brooklyn right now. Um, and it remains to, seen about, remains to be seen about LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, he hasn't done a whole lot for the Spurs this season, and that, that's a part of the reason they, they, don't, they don't care to have him on the team anymore, and they shipped him off, uh, let him go to the Nets. Uh, so uh, when you look at this, guys, when you look at what Brooklyn already has – and what they've just added, you know, what type of a difference does this make? How much more of a level up is it for Brooklyn? Or does it really matter much considering how loaded Brooklyn already was? The, the, like you said, it's not really about what they can bring, you know, coming off the bench this season. I think this is more of a move uh, bringing in guys like this that have been to the playoffs and, you know, can – be the veteran leadership mostly that's that's a big reason why 
they they were brought in. Blake Griffin with all those runs with the Clippers. Aldridge has made several runs with Portland in his career and, and even to a lesser extent with San Antonio recently. They've got that, you know, playoff experience and, uh, you know, and as being in the league for so long, everything like that, they might be able to to add another wrinkle to the big three, the, you know, the Hardens and, and Kyrie's and Kevin Durant. And of course, you know, KD's been in the league a long time as well, uh, even longer than Blake Griffin. But you're not expecting Blake Griffin and LaMarcus Aldridge to come in and, and be another Kevin Durant or anything like that. It's just one of those things that they, there will be more leadership and they will provide, you know, in limited roles, another threat. Uh, obviously for Brooklyn now, the question is uh, how fast Harden's hamstring heals. He came, he came out of a uh, game against uh, the Rockets a little early with a strained hamstring. If Harden, if Harden is, is out for any considerable amount of time, KD obviously hadn't come back yet. Kyrie's been hit or, hit or miss sporadic with some of the amount of time that, that he's been in. So we've not yet really seen the big three all together. So in the meantime, while we wait for them, Aldridge and Griffin in, you know, much less of a, you know, limelight kind of role, will still be able to provide some points and, and, and rebounds and everything like that and give you some scoring threats. So I, I think it's almost an embarrassment of riches because I don't think you'll find a better 10 deep roster than what Brooklyn's got in the NBA today. I actually agree with that. I love Phoenix. I love their roster, but as far as like star talent at the top of a roster, yeah, I mean, the Nets obviously are winning that battle 10 times out of 10. Um, as far as Blake and LaMarcus go, I think the two offer for as similar kind of play styles as they've grown to play now. Cause Blake's obviously settled down on his athleticism quite a bit. So they're more so mid range shooters who can pass the ball a little bit effectively. Um, I think Blake is going to offer way more to them than LaMarcus will. Uh, I think just like drew and I were talking before the podcast started, um, I think Blake was in a situation in Detroit where he was not thrilled about his environment. Everybody talked about his hampered athleticism and I mentioned it there and it's definitely true, but you see an extra bit of life in him now that Brooklyn has brought him on. I think there's definitely something to be said about the situation that a guy is in where it gives them that extra boost of energy. So I think Blake can offer a lot, honestly. I mean, as of right now, you're looking at, once the playoffs start, provided that everybody's healthy, you're looking at Kyrie, James Harden, Kevin Durant. I don't know who else would round out that starting lineup, but if Blake is in that starting lineup or if he comes off the bench as a six man and he's playing like 20 minutes a game, I really like what he has to offer. Um, as far as LaMarcus Aldridge goes, I look at Aldridge as somebody who's going to space the floor when he's out there on offense. His defense, I, I could care less about his defense because let's just face the facts. The Brooklyn Nets aren't going to really be ratcheting it up on defense. Like that's not their, that's not their MO. They're going to try to score 145 points and they're going to try to keep you to 144. Like that's, that's their goal. So I, I like in a sense what Aldridge brings, but I think a little too much Aldridge is not what they want because he is a bit of a defensive liability. His comments this week about how he thinks he's going to be helpful in regards to switching on defense were a little bit laughable, but 
I, I think LaMarcus, if he's able to play similar to Blake, if he's, if he's able to play like 20 minutes a game and provide even just like eight points and a few rebounds off the bench, you love that from that guy. And I really like what BJ mentioned about how these guys have been there before. They've been in plenty of playoff series. So I do like what they add in that regard. But I also love the fact that they haven't made it too far because they're going to be hungry. Like, that's such a big thing when you have guys like Kyrie and KD who have won it before. You want guys to come in who are hungry. It kind of reminds me of Alabama football. Like, you have these guys who come in every single year, and it's an experienced system. So there's winning at the top, but the, like, influx of fresh energy just builds to the program. So I definitely could see where those guys come in and impact the game a lot. I like Blake more than I like LaMarcus at this point, but we'll see as time goes on. And obviously when KD comes back, all bets are off. I mean, the team's going to score 300 points a game. Great reference. 145 to 144 type games. That Bama analogy is funny that you mentioned that because I just recently saw a TikTok and it kind of, it kind of rings true to what you're saying here that, like, there was one, this kid, like, he made a TikTok, and he was, like, committed to Florida, and they have, uh, quote-unquote, committed to Florida, and he's got a $50,000 scholarship. And then somebody else comes out the other side, an Alabama dude, and he's, like, I think it's one of the coaches, is, like, he offers him a scholarship as well, and he's, like, 20000 He's, like, 20000 I can get 50000 in Florida. But, like, but do you want to win a championship? Exactly. What would you choose right here? You would go to Alabama because you know you're more than likely going to win a championship. You're always in the mix. At Florida, that's a toss-up. You got to have the team. You got to have, you know, a Tim Tebow Florida Gator team to be able to go in there and compete for something. And what are the odds of that these days for Florida? Not very right. high. Bama, it's, it's always it's always possible as long as you got Nick Saban. I'm not gonna lie, BJ. I think in retrospect, looking back on college debt, I might go the Florida route. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna go buy some new shoes and win like ten games. Be all right. Yeah. Win a conference. Yeah. Or something. yeah. <laughs> you know. Now we're gonna get to the actual moves that happen here at the deadline, and we're gonna get to our primary moves here. We've got a little over a handful of primary moves. I think it's the biggest moves uh, of the trade deadline that went down. We're gonna start off with uh, a Norman Powell move. Norman Powell being traded from the Toronto Raptors to the Portland Trail Blazers for Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood. Uh, guys, you love, you hate the move. How do you feel about it? How much does he help out uh, Portland? And what are the Raptors looking at now without Norman Powell? I like the trade. Um, you know, I, I was kind of surprised that this was like the only – real notable thing that the Raptors did. I, I expected, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one that expected uh, other pieces to be on the move like Kyle Lowry, but in terms of what Norman Powell brings to Portland, you know, they were without Nurkic for, for quite a bit. Uh, he's back now, obviously uh, he's played and, and still getting more and more minutes, but um, Powell, I like what he brings, you know, averaging almost 20 a game, uh, in terms of, you know, his potential to score the ball. You know, when you get Dame, C.J. McCollum, Nurkic when he's back and healthy, and, and Powell, Portland is in real big uh, – they're, they're dangerous if they get the right matchup, I feel like, because they're, they're starting to get back to that point where when it was just Dame taking them – 
to the Western Conference Finals, but now they're building up around him with this trade. I really like it. I think it's a good move. It's not, you know, the be-all or end-all. It's not a big three kind of move, but these, you know, key pieces are are what the difference are between, you know, making the playoffs or, or missing out come the uh, the end of the season. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. I um, I like it. From both teams' perspectives, actually, I like it a little more for the Blazers, but I'm also confused as to what the Blazers' end goal was with it. I mean, granted, Rodney Hood hasn't really been contributing much this season. He's playing 22 minutes a game. He's averaging seven points. Not a whole lot for a guy that you would hope to bolster your offense, only shooting 33% from three. So, I mean, Rodney Hood's definitely struggling, and he's been struggling for a few years. Rodney Hood's one of those guys where every single time a team gets him, they're super excited that they have him because the idea of Rodney Hood is so much better than actual Rodney Hood, I feel like. but. In, in that sense, I like the fact that they got Norman Powell, but now you look at the like you look at the Portland Trail Blazers roster, and you have Dame and CJ, and then outside of that, your next guard is Anthony Simons for the most part. I can't really think of anybody else on that roster who's going to be playing meaningful guard minutes. I mean, I like Norman Powell a lot. He adds a bunch to that roster. He's another guy who's having a pretty impressive season. He's shooting like 44% from three this season, averaging 19 and a half points a game. So he definitely adds a lot of offense to that team as if they needed any more offense. I love what Dame and CJ are able to do. So he just bolsters them a little little bit but losing Gary Trent was I'm indifferent about it I'm indifferent about them not having a third guard to come in and be a flamethrower I know Norman Powell can do it but based on what I saw with Gary Trent he really fit in with the Blazers so that's just something that I'm gonna have to wait and see just like all of these other moves Right. And, and I agree with you. Uh, the thing that I like about it is you know Portland has always been lacking for the most part at the three. You know, they've never mm-hmm. been able to fill that spot. You know, they've been shuffling around yep. players for the longest time since they've had Damian sure. Lillard, and they haven't been able to fill it. You know, ever since Nick Batum left, who, who you know, did all right in the role, it hasn't been filled at all. You know, Melo comes yep. off the bench, and he, he plays – I would say he might play a little more four than he does three these days. Uh, Norman Powell, uh, I think he's a combo, and he plays a, he plays a little bit of two, but, you know, CJ's going to stack up those minutes anyway, but – you know, they can they can have a nice little three of, you know, Lillard, CJ, and Powell here. Uh, Powell's improved tremendously to me, but like you said about Gary Trent, uh, and especially what I saw from him in the bubble, man, you know, the way he was shooting in the bubble and, uh, you know, right. just his fit here and, you know, he's a knockdown three-point shooter now, and he's just – I thought he fit really well, you know. So, uh, it, was, it was kind of puzzling to me that they were going to let him go. I would have found something else to give away that's not Gary Trent Jr., but maybe they weren't able to. And that's understandable, but uh, I like the Norman Powell addition. Uh, you know, hurt them a little bit that Gary Trent is gone, but you know Powell's going to do all right. I think it's good. Raptors, you know, when they give away Norman Powell here, and you know they're going to they're going to lose Kyle Lowry in the off season, and the tension yes. between Siakam and Nick Nurse is just it's, it's going to blow up too. So they're going to they're going to lose everything that they have. It's going to all blow up. And Raptors are in complete rebuild mode now. You know, whatever whatever they do in the playoffs right now, uh, going into this uh, this playoff season, if they do anything at all, it's going to be irrelevant because you know they're going to lose everybody no matter what they do. They're crumbling. They 2019 championship lost Kawhi, still have pieces left. OG Ananobi's gone. Norman Powell's gone. They're going to lose Lowry. They're going to lose Siakam. 
They already lost Ibaka. It's just everybody. It's kind of like when the Mavs won in 2011. Everybody's just gone. Everybody's gone. You know, they they didn't keep the and, people that won the championship with them. And honestly, as weird as it is, that's why I think Toronto did the trade. Like, I think that Masai Ujiri is really looking forward to building a roster on his own. He obviously built up the roster, brought Kawhi in there in one of the best offseason moves that's ever been made, in my opinion. I mean, granted, you only got one season of him, but you got your only title and your franchise's history out of it. So I think Masai is really looking forward to building a roster like he thinks he can. And what we know about Nick Nurse is that he's one of the three best coaches in the league, if not the best coach. And I have a feeling that they're trying to tank out for the rest of the season. Obviously, like you mentioned, the Siakam situation, that's ugly. Lowry's probably out at the end of the year. I like what they did with Van Vliet. They might have overpaid him, but adding Gary Trent to that, that's an interesting backcourt. So that could be their backcourt of the future. And then who knows? I mean, the lottery anymore is so random. We could see them slip throughout the course of the season. And then by some divine miracle, they have the seventh worst record in the league, but they end up with the second pick, you know, so that like you never know what can happen with that. So I kind of like what they're doing. I like the direction they're heading in, even though they're heading south, as weird as that is. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what Toronto's doing. And honestly, I think it was a trade where both teams kind of won. They got what they wanted out of it I do think it is kind of bold of Masai though in a way because Mm -hmm. you know like kind of like a Dallas in years past uh it's you know for some reason not a place where people want to go in the offseason or want to want to go to play uh you know ever since you know they lost you know Vince and McGrady back in the day you know it was nothing to really talk about over the years and not a place where free agents wanted to go you know, the Kawhi thing was just like, whoa, okay, how'd that happen? Right. And it didn't last long. Um, but it's it's not a destination where people, superstars want to go, you know, to build to win championships. And if they don't and if they don't get that luck that you're talking about where they drop to one of the worst yeah. records and happen to get a top three pick in this draft, and now if you don't get one of those guys, you know, I don't, I, you know you're kind of taking a shot in the dark of what you got, and it's not going to improve your roster immediately. I'm interested to see how he builds it up, but – you know, it, I I do think it's bold that you know he's he's doing it. You know, just off the rip, instead of trying to keep yeah. these pieces who are good players around. You know, to to add to what he's building. The only thing that I think he's going to end up keeping the only player is Van Vliet. I think you know, like I said, Lowry gone, Siakam gone, and Powell's gone. I think those other two are going to leave in the offseason, and it's going to be a long uphill battle. Well, Drew, speaking of teams that look like they're on the uh, or are trying to tank. The Orlando Magic were very busy around the trade deadline. Why don't you go ahead and fill us in on some of the moves that they made? Oh, man. Orlando Magic, who have been, you know, fringe playoff in the playoff, you know, the past couple of seasons, who haven't made any noise really. You know, had some surprising wins, this, you know, against Milwaukee that, that one series. Um, but, you know, they traded away their best player, and that's the next one we're getting to. And that is Nikola Vucevic. They traded him and Al Farouk Amino to the Chicago Bulls for Wendell Carter Jr., Otto Porter Jr., and two f- uh, future first-round picks. Um, this is this is excellent, absolutely excellent, I think, for the Bulls right now. Because Zach Levine needs help. He needs another star. They're right outside the playoff picture right now. They could very well get in it for this season surprisingly give a team some trouble, if not sneak past a first round, 
depending on how, how this chemistry mixes out with the Bulls. But, you know, Zach Levine, we know, is a star. And Vucevic, we know, can get it done, and he's a star. Uh, we got to see what that combo looks like, you know, for, for games to come and see if it's going to be worth anything this season. But uh, if they can keep it together for a bit, I, I like the move. Uh, they're not really losing anything here. You know, they still have Laurie Marketing, so, you know, not a big deal to lose Carter Jr., uh, Otto Porter, you know, a former top pick who's never really panned out, not really losing mm-hmm. anything when you let go of him. The two future firsts, you know, they could turn out to be something, but then again, they could turn out to not. You know, when you when you take a bet on a guy like Vucevic versus a couple gambles in the future, you know, I, I take the Vucevic side because you know what he can do right now. And you don't know what the future's going to look like in, in drafts ahead. Uh, but I, I like it for the Bulls. Uh, Magic, <laughs> they haven't been doing anything, you know, uh, since Shaq. And, you know, they're not going to do anything anytime soon. They've got a they've got a much longer road ahead than the Raptors do because they, they have no stars anymore. And, you know, the one that was becoming – or that was coming to his own finally after getting past injury, Markel Fultz, down for the season. And you won't see him again until maybe at least next year. So, and, and, you know, they got Cole Anthony, who's, you know, a part of their future, but you're not going to do anything out there with those guys. You're, you're rebuilding for a really long time now. And the Bulls got better immediately. They're going to, I think they're going to be a playoff team. And uh, where, where do you, where do you see the Bulls now when they have Vucevic and Levine? And what do you see for the future for the Orlando Magic? Well, to touch on the Magic, they probably are the fastest team to rebuild after a rebuild. <laughs> like <laughs> they, they, they are uh, they're veterans of the process at this point. I like to believe. Um, so hopefully, so hopefully it works out this time around. I actually really like the direction Orlando's heading in because they know for a fact that they're tanking there's be like it's beyond a reasonable doubt that they are trying to tank for one of the top three guys in this draft and if they do get lucky if the ping pong balls roll in their direction they get Cade Cunningham now if they're able to land him that's fantastic as far as the Bulls go this was my favorite move of the deadline honestly Um, I love the way that Vucevic is going to be able to play alongside Levine. They're the perfect complements for one another as far as the inside and outside game. Both of those guys have both of those characteristics. And Vucevic is an extremely underrated passing big man. They're going to be able to run a lot of offense through him. And I love the way that Billy Donovan uses big men. So it'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. My favorite part about what the Bulls did during the deadline, though, has nothing to do with who they got. It has everything to do with who they kept. And as crazy as this sounds, I love the fact that they did not get rid of Thaddeus Young. I really like what he's been able to do with the Bulls this season. He adds a good veteran presence amongst all the young guys. Obviously, you have Levine, who's becoming a superstar. The guy, he can hit more contested shots than maybe anybody I've seen in the league outside of like Luca this season. He's playing out of his mind. I love what Levine's doing. I love Patrick Williams. He's going to turn into a really good player within the next couple of seasons. But Thad Young just offers that veteran leadership. So when you put all their pieces together, I just like how the Bulls are rounding out. I love the Vucevic trade and I think that they're definitely going to be a five to a six seed within the next couple of seasons, provided that everybody stays healthy and they keep their roster. Yeah. Chicago right now uh, is in that play in tournament uh, 
area right now. They're just a, a game and a half back of Indiana for the nine spot. But you add the talent like Vucevic, uh, who, who will take some eyes away from Levine and, uh, because of his ability to score. And, and you really got to like what, uh, what, where Chicago could go. I, I think it's nothing but up from here. I, I really like how I think Chicago's track to uh, clinching one of those two spots is, is going to st- like steadily improve uh, as opposed to, you know, just kind of sitting where they are right now. You know, they're, they're looking right now at three games back of Atlanta for the seventh spot. They're only four and a half back of a four seed Charlotte right now. That's, that's how crazy close uh, the Eastern conference is at the moment where they go on a little bit of a mini run and they defeat some of these teams and, and the teams in front of them suffer a little bit. And you could see Chicago with a top four seed, uh, you know, by the season's end. I'm not saying that that's what's going to happen, but if Vucevic right. and, and Levine can mesh well together, and, and I expect them to do so, uh, then the ceiling is, is going to continue to just keep rising for this Bulls team. And I, I definitely would expect them to at least be uh, one of the two teams that emerges from the playing tourney at worst. I could honestly see them climbing up to five or six, though. And if you are a if you're a Bulls fan, and with all the things that you've gone through over the years, you know, shuffling through all types of all types of coaches, you know, and then you finally you finally get a Zach Levine, and you see what he's becoming, and then you get another already All Star. You know, you got to be you got to be excited about what's happening right now and and the luck that's kind of turning your way with, you know, the Wizards not panning out in the East. LaMelo Ball now out for the season for the Hornets, who are the fourth seed, but they're going to drop a little bit. They still got players who can play out there, but they'll probably drop a little bit, especially with the addition out here in Chicago to Vucevic. So I like it overall. Uh, winner, definitely Bulls for me. Uh, let's go to another big move that happened at the deadline. Uh, it happened to be with another Orlando Magic player. Uh, Orlando Magic, uh, they trade Aaron Gordon to the Nuggets. All right, the Magic out of this deal, they get Gary Harris, R.J. Hampton, and future first-round picks. And then the Nuggets get Gary Clark and Aaron and Gordon. Okay, the Nuggets, who are already getting back to form before Aaron Gordon and being getting back to a top of the West – now get an additional player who who can score, who's a high flyer, who's going to be is going to be able to hold his own defensively, and he's he's a, a wing player that they need out there. Um, they didn't lose anything too bad in, in this in this deal here. You know, the future first round picks maybe uh, depending on what they turn into. Uh, R.J. Hampton, you know, you not you don't see what he's going to be completely yet in the NBA, so. Uh, and Gary Harris, he was helpful, but they still have a lot of pieces that can still help them uh, uh, for Denver. So he's a, he's a nice little addition. Uh, they're still going to run things through Jamal Murray and, and Jokic. Don't get that twisted by any means. And those are the guys who are going to show up mainly in the playoffs. And they still got Michael Porter Jr. out there. Uh, so, like, you see what they didn't give up to add an additional player like Aaron Gordon, not to give up a Porter Jr., not to give up any – any bit of their real future besides maybe RJ Hampton, who still wasn't playing a lot, you know? So, you know, I think that's going to help them in, in the playoffs. You know, I, does it get them to a conference final again? 
Maybe, but the West is harder. The Jazz have a better chance to get to the conference final. The Clippers have a chance to get to the conference final. You know, the Blazers have a chance to get to the conference final. You know, there's a lot of teams that are gunning for that. And, you know, they're going to have to go through them to get there. Can they get, can they get through them by what we saw last year? Yeah. <laughs> with those comebacks, which is crazy, but you're not going to see those types of comebacks again. So they're going to have to get it done early, but I want to get y'all's thoughts on the move here how much it moves the needle for the Nuggets, if at all. And, you know, how much does this kind of quickly help the Magic's rebuild? Real quick, before I let BJ go, uh, it was only one first-round pick. It was their protected 2025 first-rounder went okay. to the Magic. Um, yeah, that's the thing with uh, the Nuggets is, is how, how the, the talent that they have and, and the ceiling that they have, uh, adding a piece like Aaron Gordon is going to move the needle. It's not going to move it to the point where I think that they can go through the Lakers or, or go through uh, Utah or go through uh, Phoenix and, and, or the Clippers even to, to the point of, of being victorious. But this is definitely a team that I could see winning a first round series. I think they will be a top five seed in the West. And it's, there's just so much good talent in the West that even, you know, even a move like this, which is, you know, still good for Denver and, and the fact that, they're not giving up as much, like you said, Drew, uh, to acquire a player like Aaron Gordon is it just does not move the needle as much, in my opinion, just because of the level of talent that is still above them. I, I think it's definitely, you know, going to help them out and, and they can uh, have another anytime you can add a, another threat to score the, the rock. It's, you know, always a good deal, but I just don't see this being the thing that puts them over the edge and I I just it's going to be surprising to me to see them go back to the conference finals this year. I think that most more notable was was the collapse of Utah and the collapse of the Clippers, not the fact that the Nuggets were able to come back. That that's my takeaway. Yeah, no, I could definitely see that. Um as far as Aaron Gordon goes, I mean, I I like the move, definitely. I like what he brings to Denver. It doesn't just boil down to transition with Aaron Gordon. He's shooting 37.5% from three. So, I mean, he definitely provides a little bit of an option on offense for them, I like to believe. And he's extra scary when you consider the fact that it's going to be him coming off of pick and roll or pick and pop with a guy like Jamal Murray. And when you're able to space the floor with Jokic, with Michael Porter Jr., hopefully Murray can get going a little bit and you give a guy like Aaron Gordon a little bit of space to work in the lane, It's it can be pretty scary. Now, it'll be interesting to see how he responds on defense because obviously Denver is not one of the greater defensive teams in the NBA and I like what Aaron Gordon can possibly offer I mean he's got all the tools but I think honestly Aaron Gordon's success ultimately comes down to Jamal Murray Jamal Murray has kind of struggled this season as I alluded to and if he's able to kind of turn it into 80 percent of what he was in the bubble last season then the the Nuggets definitely have a real chance to get back to where they were last year. So I like the Gordon move. It definitely needs a little bit of time to marinate. He's only played two games with them so far, and he's only played 22 minutes per game with them. So we'll see how Malone uses him in their rotations. But if he's able to maintain his three-point shooting, then I like him in their offense. And I just like him coming off of pick and rolls with guys like Murray. But we'll see how it pans out. Jokic to Aaron Gordon, lobs inbound. 
Um, another one of the key moves that happened at the deadline, and I think this move to me is one of the best moves, and that's Evan Fournier going to the Boston Celtics, uh, leaving the Magic. The Magic get Jeff Teague, who was already waived, and two future second-round picks. So didn't really give up much, and they got a 20-point-per-game score here. You know, he Evan Evan is not, you know, some some dominant defender out here, but, you know, he can score the basketball. Uh, we're not going to talk about his first game as a Boston Celtic because that was absolutely horrible. He just was – Oh, yes, there. we are. Yeah. <laughs> okay, maybe we'll I mean, his, se- his second game wasn't that much better. He was, he was yeah. out there getting some cardio, like logging 33 minutes, didn't yeah. make a single basket, 0 for 10 for the game. <laughs> I think it was 0 for 8 from 3, and he just had a – god-awful debut but you know as far as you know what the Celtics gave up to get him is essentially nothing you know Jeff Teague wasn't doing a whole lot for him giving him much and he was waived as soon as he got to the Magic uh two future second round picks how what is that going to amount to in the future not much of anything and you get a 20 point per game score here um so I I think they win I think I think it was a good move by the Celtics just because they don't lose much to get him um what do you guys think? How do you like the move? And, uh, you know, another another magic move <laughs> once again. But how do you think this helps out the Boston Celtics more importantly? Because they're not having the best season, you know, even with the tools that they have. You know, how, do, how does this move the needle in Boston? Well, I mean, it, you talked about, you know, he's getting in the cardio, 31 minutes against Dallas, uh, just six points. It's – it's he's still trying to find his way, I think uh, – with the Celtics and has not quite gotten back. So it's, it's just one of those things. I think he's still getting acclimated to the Celtics and and the rotations, everything like that. Um, But like you said, Drew, I think that in terms of what Boston gave up to get him, I think it's a good deal for them. I don't think the magic, I think they just said, uh, you know, they, they treated Fournier like, like they're, you know, five minutes till closing at a, at a uh, flea market. And they're like, you know, just give us something. I just don't want to take this back home with me. Uh, so what, whatever you think is your best offer, uh, we'll, we'll be willing to part ways with, with Fournier. And, and so I think Boston in that respect got a good end of the deal. Um, I, I think that Orlando was just, just trying to, to make him go away is, is, the, the talent that they, they got back or, you know, just for draft picks, it's, it's just doesn't seem like they really wanted to keep him around. And I, I, I need to shut up and stop stammering because I think Boston really got the best end of that deal. Well, yeah, I mean, I definitely think Boston got the best end of the deal when you consider the fact that Orlando just got two second rounders in return. I mean, those when do those ever really pan out? I wrote something for Hoops Habit, shameless plug. I wrote something for them a, like a few, like about a month and a half, two months ago about how everybody was super pumped about their trade exception that they had. And sure as hell, they actually went out and used it because most of the time trade exceptions don't even get used. Um, the most notable in the last few years was the Kelly Oubre get that the Warriors received. So a lot of the times they don't get used. Now Boston went out and they got a guy that they think is going to improve their team. As of right now, clearly it has not panned out. He's played, I want to say, 64 minutes, and he scored a total of six points. So it's not looking great right now. But, I mean, he's a guy that's – what I like about Evan Fournier is he's going to put up shots, and he's going to find a rhythm. He's a guy that isn't really that scared to flow into an offense. Um, 
obviously on the magic this season he was averaging nearly 20 a game he was taking 14 shots a game he was shooting 38 percent from three so clearly I mean he was he was doing something right in Orlando granted I mean he was their second option and they just weren't a good team so that's one thing but at the end of the day I mean these he's still playing against NBA players like he's he's got something there he just has to unlock it I don't know if the Boston situation is the most conducive situation to his talents but as far as what Boston is looking for they needed a guy who can handle the ball outside of Kemba outside of Tatum outside of Jalen Brown they need a guy who can at least be somewhat of a threat to put the ball in the hole so I mean I like it as of right now I like the fact that Boston was actually able to use their uh, trade exception. But when you look at it from that perspective, look how Gordon Hayward's playing this season. Right. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, who would you rather have? Would you rather have Gordon Hayward, who was a corpse last season for the most part? Once he started to get banged up, he started to come back around. But once he gets banged up, he's in the bubble. He was pretty useless based on my memory. Um, So we'll see like I I like the move but as of right now the Fournier thing is still TBD but and guys uh we're gonna take a quick break here in a second uh we're gonna take a quick ad break and we're gonna come back and talk about the rest of the rest of the key moves that happened at the deadline and play our with it or quit it game at the end I'm the only one asking the questions this time so the guys I hope they have the answers you are listening to the lowdown sports show Looking to protect those eyes, work, and game in style? Then Gamer Advantage is exactly what you need. Gamer Advantage is the first clinically proven lens to stop the suppression of melatonin so that you can get a better night's rest. They even offer prescriptions. Get yours today by using code THEDREW at checkout for 10% off your purchase. Are you a designer? Or maybe you need to make a new business card. Maybe you want to dress up an Instagram story. Well. You can do all that in one central location, and that is with Canva. You can create stunning designs with your photos and videos, even if you are not a design expert. Click the panel link on twitch.tv slash thedrewleague and try Canva today. Hey you! Yeah! You! Are you looking for a new PC? If you are, I know just the place to get one. From Artesian Builds. They build their PCs live on Twitch. And if you need any help deciding what to get, DM them on Twitter and they'll optimize based on your budget. And while you're at it, use code THEDRULEAGUE at checkout and get up to $100 off your purchase of a new Artesian Builds PC. Looking to support the show even more and get some low-down podcast merch? If so, make sure you visit our partners at TeePublic. You can find links to our merchandise on both the Facebook and Twitch pages where we stream the show live at fb.gg slash the Drew League on Facebook and twitch.tv slash the Drew League on Twitch. You can get things from t-shirts to hoodies to mugs to pillows, you name it. Get yours today. And we are back here on the Lowdown Sports Show. Guys, we've started things off talking about a lot of the main moves at the NBA trade deadline. And we've still got a few more moves to talk about before we play our with it or quit it game. And we're going to hit those right now. Uh, One of the moves that is uh, 
that's gone down at the trade deadline. And he hasn't played yet, but he might by the time you guys listen to this episode. That is Mr. Victor Oladipo being shipped from the Rockets to the Miami Heat. Uh, the Heat get Victor Oladipo. The Rockets get Kelly Olynyk, Avery Bradley, and a 2022 pick swap. You know, what I like about this here is, you know, or uh, the Heat and Oladipo, you know, once, you know, they get those reps in, I think he's going to fit like a glove. You know, I think he's going to feed off Jimmy Butler. He's going he's gonna to get that Miami Heat way in him, I think. You know, D Wade is going to be a big part of, you know, you know, talking to him about the Miami Heat way and, you know, selling him on, you know, staying there, buying in and, you know, talking about what they did last year and going to the finals and things like that. Oladipo, you know, he's been looking to get healthy and find a good rhythm for a while. He was scoring a little bit uh, for Houston while he was there, that temporary bit since being traded from the Pacers. Uh, but I think he's going to really find uh, himself to fit a lot better in uh, in Miami. Uh, it remains to be seen because he hasn't played yet, but we'll see uh, once that happens. Uh, Rockets getting, you know, Kelly Olynyk, who can who can score every now and then, and uh, a prime defender in Avery Bradley. Uh, but you know, Rockets, you know, they are they are not in contention for anything but a top draft pick this season. Uh, you know, the real thing that hurt them was when Christian Wood went down, and they went zero seventeen in his absence. Uh, so there, they've they fell out of rhythm completely. Uh, what was it? A twenty game losing streak that they had. You know the Rockets aren't anything to talk about. But I like that. I like what you know they got in return. Uh, I like what I like what uh, the Heat got in Victor Oladipo. I think it's going to pan out. What do you guys think about it? Uh, how do you think Victor is going to fit uh, for Miami? And what is the future looking like for the Rockets? You know they're a definite top draft, getting a definitely getting a top draft pick this year. Uh, so uh, what, what's y'all's take on both ends of the spectrum for this deal? Yeah, Oladipo uh, going to Miami, that was one of the, the trades that I I saw that and, and I saw what uh, what Miami kept in order to get him. And I said, oh, that's that's got to be the best deal of, of all the trades that, that happened because Miami kept, you know, they kept Harrow, they kept Jimmy Butler. You know, they did not have to give up uh, – any of the the talent that they are building around Butler and they get Victor Oladipo. And I just, I thought it was an, you know, an absolute steal almost, Uh, you know, I I know the Rockets are, are, are in tank mode and everything like that. But um, I I definitely think that while Houston got some good benefit out of making the trade, it's, it's the clear winner has got to be Miami in that respect. And so we'll, We'll see what, what pans out for, for Houston and, and who they go with, where they finish. They're right now one of the four teams with Minnesota and uh, Orlando and uh, Detroit. There you go. Detroit, Orlando, and, and Minnesota and Houston are, are fighting for one of those top three spots. And, you know, one of those teams is going to, you know, be the hard luck loser and, and not get one of those three, you know, game-changing athletes that we've talked about with with Cunningham and and the others so I think it definitely you know boosts up Miami's odds they'll they'll definitely pass Charlotte here uh in the next probably uh by the time we get to the next episode they'll be up in that four seed and you know it's it's one of those things that in the east you know there's you know the cream of the crop in Brooklyn Philly and the Bucks and then there's you know five to seven teams that will be 
playing in the playoffs that you're you're almost like, well, wait a minute. But Miami with this move will I think they'll be right just below the top three. I, I think they'll be, you know, in there'll be tier one that's the Nets, Sixers, and Bucks. Then you got tier two that's Miami, and then all the rest below them. No, I definitely agree with that. Now I do have something to say about the Rockets before we get to the heat. Um, if you're in the Rockets shoes right now, if you're a Rockets fan, what on earth do you possibly have to look forward to as far as the Houston Rockets go? I mean, James Harden has been involved in the two worst trades of the decade. And I think this one is worse because if you look at Houston's return on it, they essentially got nothing in return. They got a bunch of picks. They got Kelly Olynyk, who is more than likely going to become a buyout guy. One would think they got Avery Bradley. Um, and then outside of that, they didn't really get much in return for James Harden. I mean, they traded away Oladipo before they traded away Oladipo. They traded away Levert to get Oladipo. So their return makes really no sense and then when you compound that with the fact that if they don't fall within the bottom four they have to swap their pick with the thunder this year so if they're the odd team out the future's really bleak for the rockets like it's not looking great now i'll say this about the heat because i i can't even talk about the rockets anymore that's just is gonna make me cry um <laughs> But as far as the Heat go, I really like the Oladipo trade. I mean, the Rockets were definitely unloading as many things as physically possible just so they can have the opportunity to better their odds of getting one of those bottom four picks. So I, I definitely like what they did there. Um, as far as Oladipo's fit with Miami, I think he can play a really good role next to Jimmy. I think if he can turn up, if he can turn it up to what he was pre-injury Indiana Oladipo, which is a long shot because we've been saying that for two years now. Um, but he, if he's able to be 80% of that and he shows a little bit of defensive intensity like the Heat's organization is going to instill on him, I think Oladipo is going to fit really well there. Now, granted, this season Oladipo is – struggling this season total he's averaging about 21 but he's only shooting 41 percent and 33 percent from three so his shot's not there he's shooting a lot poor efficiency 18 times a game nearly eight threes a game so it's not what you want to see but in Miami's offense where you have Duncan Robinson Tyler Hero running around like madmen when you have Jimmy executing at high levels like he typically does when you have Dragic playing like he does and then you have Bam who's the most underrated player in the NBA, as far as I'm concerned, I really like Oladipo's fit. And I think come playoffs is when it'll magnify because when the game slows down and you need those lanky defenders, I think he's going to come in handy for them a lot. I got two quick thoughts. How about Pat Riley and the job that he's done to keep the heat in, you know, trying to get back into the the NBA finals and, and repeat as Eastern conference champions. He's done a superb job and, and, you know, obviously uh, his leadership, when he was coaching and now in the front office just uh, cannot be, you know, said enough for what he has contributed to that organization. And one other thing real quickly, and we don't have to go too in depth with this, but can, can I just say that it feels like Houston sports teams are all cursed. 
I mean, have you noticed that? You know, the, the Texans with, with all their injury problems and then now Deshaun Watson's facing some off-the-field drama. The Astros have, have all have all that scandal around their World Series championship. And now with the Rockets pretty much being a part of, of some of the, you know, some laughable trades and, and having nothing to show for it and entering rebuild mode. It just... I don't know. It seems like there's a like a hex going on down in the in the Houston area with their sports teams. Well, shoot. Aside from the scandal, bring that hex this way. If they're bringing championships, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Texas Rangers were right right around the corner twice and didn't even get it done. And Houston gets one before yeah. we do. I'm sick. I don't even want to. Talk, I don't want to talk about it anymore. We're gonna right, move, move on. on. Move on. Move on. Before I throw up. Uh, <laughs> last couple. Last couple of key trades. Uh, of, out of everything that's went down, uh, Clipper trade. Clippers get Rajon Rondo. The Hawks get Lou Williams, a 2023 second round pick from the Clippers via Portland, and a 2027 second round pick from the Clippers and cash considerations. And nowadays, that seems like a lot for Rajon Rondo, to be honest with you. Um, but uh, quick thoughts on the deal here. Uh, how, does it help the Clippers much at all? Um, in my opinion, I think it I think it helps the Clippers come playoff time because we all know about you know playoff Rondo that suddenly appears when the playoffs get here, uh, and he helped he helped out in LA's championship last year with the Lakers, um, but and in Lou Williams when he was traded in this in this move right here considered retirement. That's that's how he felt when when this trade went down. But uh, what what did y'all's quick hit thoughts on uh, the Clippers acquiring Rondo and shipping out Lou Will? Yeah, Craig and I were talking about this before we started recording the podcast, uh, and I t- I told him I was when I was being honest. I just said I didn't like either end of the deal. I just thought that it seemed a little ridiculous for, uh, you know, what uh, what the Clippers got versus what they were giving up. I thought that Williams, uh, it, the I thought honestly that it was you know a, a laughable deal that I I didn't really care for it to be honest, but. I, I, you know, I didn't consider the, the playoff Rondo aspect. And I think that that may be the only reason the deal was done because I didn't think that, I didn't think that the Clippers were getting the, the, the right end of the bargain uh, in the deal when I first read about it. But, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you can't undersell how much Rondo means come playoff time. And so uh, I think they're more than willing to, to part ways with Lou Williams if they can, have that veteran leadership and, and make a playoff run, a deep playoff run, that is. The Rondo trade works, in my opinion, for both teams because Atlanta wasn't really playing a whole lot of Rondo. I mean, that goes without mentioning. Over the last 20 or so games, they've turned into a really good defensive team, so it'll be interesting to see what Lou Will provides on that front, but they're already a really good offensive team, so I like what he's going to provide there. As far as Rondo for the Clippers goes, I think we won't know until the playoffs how BJ mentioned playoff Rondo. I don't think there's going to be much opportunity for Rondo to thrive with them this like throughout the regular season. I love what he did with the Lakers last season during the playoffs. He was essentially their third best player throughout the entire playoff run, which nobody was expecting that to be the case whatsoever when they signed him before and he was just part of the meme team you know so it's we'll see how that plays out I do like what he's going to offer during the playoffs he just has a way of orchestrating an offense and every single time that I watch the Clippers I was mentioning the BJ earlier I just feel like something's missing there's just something 
something's off. And I think Rondo will contribute to what is missing. And I do think that that's like serviceable guard play from a guy who can play on both ends of the floor. Obviously, Lou Will was a great offensive player, but he was pretty much the worst playoff player of the last few seasons. And then Pat Bev obviously doesn't offer much offensively. I mean, those two guys were kind of a trade-off between offense and defense, but with Rondo, you're going to get somebody who's been there, which is the most important for that team. I like it. I, I like what they were able to pull off. And last but not least, fellas, Dallas Mavericks uh, made a trade as well at the deadline uh, to get J.J. Redick and Nikola Melli from the Pelicans for James Johnson, Wes Awundu, 2021 second-round pick and cash considerations. You know, BJ, from a personal standpoint, from what we know uh, the Mavs to have been last season and their their number one – what was it? Number one offensive rating in NBA history season uh, or offensive efficiency. One of the two. The, one of the, the best offense, okay, from being so good last year, from, from struggling this year and, you know, not having the shooting they have, getting getting rid of Seth Curry, which, you know, mm-hmm. I still to this very moment think that was a mistake. It was, um, yeah. You know, getting a guy like J.J. Redick who, you know, he's injured right now, but once he gets healthy, if he can be, you know, even what he's been, even in the slightest bit, what he was last year with with his three-point shooting, and that's what he's known for, uh, you know, even though he's a liability on defense, you know, that's what that's what we need to ramp up is our offense in Dallas, and he will help that. Uh, Nico Lamelli, um, from what I heard, at least through the uh, Mavericks broadcast, uh, this season hasn't had the best, you know, shooting experience on, you know, uh, from the field or from three. Uh, but, you know, with, with a guy like Luka Doncic, you know, getting you getting you open shots. And, you know, I saw a couple of those open shots today that he knocked down. Uh, you know, he it, it could turn the tide for him. I uh, don't know a whole lot about him. But, you know, the main piece of this, I think it's J.J. Redick once he comes back and is healthy. Um, quick thoughts, guys, on what – it means for the Mavericks, if, if anything, and if the Pelicans really lose any type of momentum getting rid of J.J. No, they really don't, and I think it's a good deal for the Mavericks if he wants to stay and, and you know, finish out the season. I uh, saw a report earlier today that he was unhappy with, with the Pelicans' ownership and, and, and wanted to uh, go closer to home and, and go to the Northeast. There was rumors that he was – wanting to to go to Brooklyn and I mean honestly can you can you find an NBA player uh that is not wanting to go to Brooklyn right now as 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 talented as they are that you know a lot of players think oh we're going to get a ring for sure if we go to Brooklyn so um I think it's a good it was a good move for Dallas because they definitely need some help uh for you know Luca and cannot do it on his own you saw that in their uh kind of head scratching uh, decisions past couple games out against uh, Indiana and New Orleans, uh, and you know they really need both KP and Luca, and and they really could use some some other threats because you know Maxi Kleb is a good option. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, Tim Hardaway are are fine, you know, fine pieces, but they're not they're not that veteran leadership like Reddick brings, where he's he's been there, he's been in the league for you know, 15 seasons now. And, and so it's, it's, it's one of those things that I, I like the deal for Dallas. Uh, I'm, I'm just hoping that when he gets healthy, that he, he will enjoy playing for Dallas as much as, as uh, it'll be to watch that team 
come together hopefully uh the sooner rather than later it gets to be around all that luca magic um i i feel kind of the same as bj i like the move i'm not i'm not super crazy about it jj's kind of underperformed this season but i mean granted that's under a stan van gundy situation in new orleans i guess to say the least i mean the pelicans were a team that weren't going to really use a whole lot of those guys coming off of screens when you have Brandon Ingram and Zion. They're both very isolation-oriented guys. So Redick, unfortunately, suffered under that situation, but I do think that there's definitely a lot of room for him within the Mavericks offense. Obviously, you have guys like Luka who are going to find you. Jalen Brunson has proven to be a really serviceable guard for them as well. So i I, I do really like how JJ is going to fit on that team. It's a matter of time to see it this season, though. JJ's averages are down from 15, nine points a game. He's only shooting 36% from three, which is his worst percentage since the 2012-2013 season. So, I mean, he's he's definitely taken a little bit of a hit there. But like I said, that's more so about the New Orleans offense than it is about J.J., in my opinion. And obviously, for J.J., the same can be said about Blake in Detroit. I don't think J.J. was necessarily happy in that situation. So you see guys struggle who if they go to a better situation everything could turn around with the snap of a finger so we'll see how it goes but I like it as of right now and now time to play with it or quit it guys we have five questions that we're going to be asking or that I'm going to be asking this time typically when it's been me and BJ we ask each other five questions but now that we got a three piece in here it's just going to be one person per episode unless we have a guest so I've got five questions for my guys right here. I'm going to let Craig answer each one first, and then we'll go to BJ, get you di- get you guys' take, whether you're with it or you're going to quit it. You guys ready? Yeah. I am. All right, let's get it. Number one, the Los Angeles Lakers will not make the Western Conference Finals. You with quit it? Quit it. You're going to quit it. Oh, he, that was quick. Quit it. <laughs> quit it i have way too much faith in lebron and ad when they get healthy man i like it i I love what the jazz are doing they're a really good team the clippers could hang in there i love phoenix but it's lebron history has history has told us not to bet against them i'm not doing it yeah, it's it's not a conference finals without LeBron. Uh, okay. So I'm gonna say quit. Right. Too. I, I mean, I don't know who who they'll be facing. There's there's some really good talent in the West, and you can conceivably see you know any of the top seven in the West that can make it to the conference finals if they get hot at the right time. That's how insane the West is. But yeah. I I just think that there's just too much talent. I think the Lakers are going to improve their seeding. And I think they'll be back in the conference finals. I think they could potentially even be back in the NBA finals. So I'm going to say quit it. I'm just making sure you guys weren't crazy. I just hope you know. (laughs) Number two, Nikola Jokic will be the 2021 NBA MVP. You with it? You're going to quit it. Oh, man. Is there like an in-between? I have no clue. The MVP (laughs) race this year is so difficult to Basically, Jokic of the field. Yeah, I (sighs) – Jokic has been fantastic. The Nuggets, I think, are in fifth in the West. And Jokic, from the beginning, has been murdering it this season. Like, if it wasn't going to be Embiid, it was probably going to be Jokic. And then LeBron had his stretch where he was getting all the buzz because that's what the MVP award is after all, isn't it? It's a narrative thing. So, I mean, we'll see. I As of right now, I'm going to say with it because I can't – yeah, I just don't really – 
I don't really know of who else would compete in that bracket who the voters aren't already tired of voting for because Giannis has won the last two and he's, I think, third in odds right now and Harden won a couple of years ago. And I know for a fact that none of the voters want to vote for Harden, even though he's honestly probably having the best season out of anybody playing right now. So it's it's kind of a difficult toss up, but I'm going to say with it at this point. Yeah, I don't know. I, you asked that question uh, about two or three months back, Drew, and, and I was with it then. Uh, I still think he's the favorite at this point, but I just – I mean, I think Harden's got a good shot. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm liable to take the field right now, so I'm going to say quit it. Just for now, it, Jokic is going to have a chance. Harden's going to have a chance to uh, – you know, improve their, their stock. And, and, you know, I, I think it'll come down to one of those two. I, I really don't see them giving it to Giannis for a third straight year, even if, you know, even if he reasonably deserves it. So I, I, I'm going to say quit it just because I, I still got to see, you know, what comes in the, the rest of the regular season. Just to extend on my answer really quick, if I had a vote, I would be voting Harden, which is okay. difficult for me to say based on the handling of the Houston situation because I would struggle giving it to a guy who forced his way out as egregiously as he did. But without Durant, Harden has turned the Brooklyn Nets into the scariest team I think I've ever seen outside of like the 16-17 Warriors. They're terrifying. Outside of the, the Monstars from uh, Space Jam. <laughs> Funny that you talk about Harden because number three, the Brooklyn Nets will win the 2021 NBA title. With it or quit it? DJ go first. <laughs> He's the first. I, don't, I, I don't think that's how this game works. Uh, oh. oh, that's whack. Fine, I'll go first. I'm going to say. I'm going to say with it, and I don't like Ooh. saying that. I feel mm. I feel dirty saying Harden it. Harden MVP and Nets with the title? Oh, my God. Uh, I oh. know. I don't like it. But they just have so much firepower. And if Durant comes back healthy, which I have a feeling he's going to because it feels like they're going to delay his return as much as possible. So, I don't know. I just can't see a team stacking up with Durant, Harden, Kyrie – and then you bring in some reinforcements. Joe Harris is shooting like a billion percent from three right now. Like that's a monster. Dude. That's that's like their fourth option. And Jeff Green looks like he's twenty three years old again, which dude. is crazy. Like that team is pretty loaded. And if it's not going to be them, my picks the Lakers. I. I just love how the Lakers click on defense when everybody's healthy. They're the one team I think that can kind of grind the game to a halt. But outside of that. I think the Nets kind of are in the driver's seat at this point. Well, to uh, to be the obstinate, I'll go quit it and oh, okay. a different. I I think the Nets have got to be love that. You know, I think the Nets have <laughs> Nets have got to be the favorites, uh, and and certainly so this year with with the talent they've got. I mean, why why else do you see players like Aldridge and and Griffin wanting to join? And even if if the rumors are true, JJ Redick, because they think that this team is is going to win the title, and and it's tough to tough to bet against them. But I think I just I'm going to take the field just because. I mean, Lakers are are still good. I think if you know the Clippers get their mojo going, I I think just there's just too much talent in the West 
that it's it's possible that uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna see Brooklyn win it this year, but I think that they could potentially, you know, they'll they'll probably win in the next two or three years at least once, maybe even more than that. I just I'm gonna say the field right now just to just to be different, so we're not agreeing about everything. I'm gonna say quit it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, in the in the in the East, I like. Uh, I don't think there's a team in the East that can really stack up. Now, I will say, if they play the Sixers, who's guarding Embiid? Embiid's going to score forty and fifteen, provided he's healthy. Um, and then Milwaukee's really clicking right now, so they're they're definitely kind of on the rise. So that'll be interesting to see. But I just think all the momentum's in Brooklyn's favor right now. Right. Number four, the Chicago Bulls. Make the playoffs for the first time since 2017. You With it. it, you're gonna quit it, BJ. It's not your turn, sir. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm gonna answer for BJ. I'm with it. I really okay. like what they've done. I, I like I said earlier. I like the Vucevic Levine fit. I really like what Patrick Williams has the potential to become. Whether or not he becomes that, we'll see. But he definitely seems like a guy who's going to be able to go out and guard the team's best player at the very least which gives you that check mark um and then not to be lost it's a very small acquisition but they're them receiving daniel tice was kind of big too i think it just gives them a little bit of big depth um i'm with it 100 percent. as am i obviously if if if, uh unless you were you just happen to miss that um no it's (laughs) Yeah, I said when we were talking about the the Vucevic trade earlier that I could see them going up, you know, and and they they are fringe in that tier with Miami right now. I think that they could potentially that it'll be, you know, probably neck and neck and I think Miami may finish a couple games ahead of them for the 4 seed, but I could just as easily see Chicago at 5 or 6. I don't think they'll have to worry about the play in tournament if if they keep keep going the way they're going and uh, the way the East is, you know, teams like Atlanta, the Knicks take a step down, then I think they'll, they'll continue to rise. I'm definitely with it that they'll make the playoffs at least. And last but not least, number five, Cade Cunningham will be the number one pick in this year's draft with it or quit it. I'm with it. I mean, it makes the most sense. He, was phenomenal this season granted in March madness I definitely some questions were raised I think he had the tendency to defer a little bit too much in that situation you need your best guy to go out and win the game for you and that was a team that was fully capable of making the leaps that they needed to continue advancing in that tournament so he left me a little bit questionable but as far as I'm concerned he hasn't done enough to discredit his credentials to be that number one pick I think if anything Evan Mobley has just climbed that ladder a little bit he's just inching the gap but I think Cade Cunningham makes the most sense I mean he's six foot eight he's got a great wingspan he's got a great feel of the game his IQ is fantastic he plays at his own pace which is so rare to find in a guy that's that young and I just think he's going to translate into a really high-level player in the NBA. So I don't think there's any reason why he shouldn't be the number one pick at this point. Yeah, I'm with it as well. I mean, I'll, I'll piggyback on what Craig said that, you know, he did have uh, some hesitancy in the NCAA tournament. And it may have just been that the, the moment was he, he may not have just, you know, 
the the moment was big and and he he did have a, a you know he did play a big part but i think the run came to an end a lot quicker than than uh certainly should have been expected the way that the, with the seating they got and everything like that and then illinois getting knocked out obviously we're not going to get too much into college basketball that <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll cover that next time but um you know i think kate cunningham kind of just for the first time kind of showed some nerves, you know, he played exceptional in the big 12 championship game against Texas. He, you know, he had just had a little bit of a hesitancy in the, the first two rounds uh, and it ultimately, you know, doomed him against Oregon state rather. But I, I think working with the professionals over the summer and everything like that, wherever he goes is going to get a fantastic player and it makes too much sense for him not to be the number one pick. So I'm, I'm with it. And, and I think it's going to be, uh, you know, I think he'll be uh, one of the ones that we'll be talking about in terms of like LaMelo Ball next year. Quick little nugget about Cade Cunningham, as you both probably know. He was named the Big 12 Player of the Year and Big 12 Freshman of the Year. And mm-hmm. that he is the first since uh, these other three players earned both of these honors. First since Marcus Smart and the other two being Kevin Durant and Michael Beasley. I figured that Kevin Durant was was probably the most recent, but I had I forgot about Marcus Smart being in the Big Twelve. I, I totally forgot about that too. Because Marcus Smart was a little beast in college, and when he was at the he was the same school, wasn't he? I thought he was yep. at Kansas. Oh no no nope. no! He was he was OK State, but yeah, definitely. Uh, Cade Cade Cunningham, I, I'm I'm with it with y'all as well. Even though I don't have an input technically on this, but. I had a lot of fun today in this episode. The first episode, we have Craig on, bringing in his wealth of NBA knowledge. Yes. We appreciate Craig being here. We're gra- glad to have you a part of the team, my man. Absolutely. Everybody who's listening, yeah, make sure y'all welcome you Craig in with open arms uh, as he is a part of this thing going on right now, man. No, uh, I just, absolutely. I just love, Thanks for I having just, me on. Absolutely. Just a bunch of April fools getting together and, and talking <laughs> some basketball. Damn, I had to go there. <laughs> had to do that. Okay, can we edit that out? No. <laughs> nope, keeping it in there. Okay. And I'm keeping Perfect. you asking to edit it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're getting it's all, thrown it's under all, the bus after that it's, one. It's all good. Yeah. It's all good. I'm, I'll be the, the sole April Fool in this this episode. But, yeah, seriously, thank you guys for having me. I had a lot of fun. Absolutely. Course, it's been a blast. Course. Glad to bring you on board, man. Many more episodes know. to come in episode 10, guys. We're 10 episodes in, man. Appreciate everybody listening in. And, you know, if you didn't hear at the beginning of the episode, uh, you know, shouts out to, you know, pat ourselves on the back in the getting not getting nominated to be top 20 uh, WNBA podcast out there, ranking number 13, you know, looking to climb up that list, um, you know, but, you know, great episode guys. Um, looking forward to the next one. Uh, you know, many good things to come. Lots of, you know, playoff time is around the corner from the NBA WNBA draft around the corner, WNBA season around the corner, uh, you know, NCAA basketball coming to an end. We could talk about that as well, the champions and how things went. So you guys listening right now, make sure you guys stay tuned for future episodes and a lot of sports and basketball coming your way. Uh, this has been the Lowdown Sports Show, episode 10. <laughs>